0: Good evening everybody and welcome to episode 146 of the Ask the Coach Show, where ping skills helps you improve your table tennis. Now, 146 is a rep digit in base 8. That's a repeating digit 222. Two, two. Very interesting fact. Today we'll talk a little bit more about the recent Japan Open, and for Technique Tuesday, we'll discuss the side spin, forehand, top spin. In the questions, We'll talk about transitioning between playing close and far away from the table, equipment that a club needs, and how to add a no-spin serve to your repertoire. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alloys Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alloys.
1: Thank you, Jeffrey. And uh, yes, very interesting fact. What number is it? One forty-six. I'll tell you a better number. In 1936, Jeff "Gone with the Wind" was published today June 30
0: 1936 gone with the what is that a what is that
1: oh Jeffrey
0: <laughs> I think it's a it's a cartoon isn't it or something
1: yes Jeff cartoon
0: <laughs> uh, excellent all right Alice let's um, let's get straight into Yesterday's ping skills question of the day, which was, "What is the best type of plastic ball you have used?" Because there's been a lot of debate about these plastic balls and whether they're any good. But we've had a few people respond to this question. Yes, we have, and there were
1: quite a few people. And I'm just going to the the um, the comments now, but quite a few people said a ball, um, the Afar ball fireball. Um, the three-star seamless. So I haven't I haven't had a chance to play with those, but uh, yeah, quite a few. So there was Rain and uh, Rory Goulding, um, Thad Birchall um, and a few others, Regan DeMello, all said that um, the Shu Show ball was good. Uh, the one that I have seen and looked really good, and I've heard some really good reports uh, about, is the Nataku premium ball. Um, I've heard that... Uh, that is that is the best. I've got a um, Nataku SHA forty plus here. Um, so yeah, there's that one there. Seems quite good. The DHSs they're okay. In um, in Spain, I might have said that um, they use the butterfly. Uh, plastic ball, and they were good. I, I mean, I'm not sure whether Butterfly, you know, specifically specifically gave uh, the tournament um, sort of their best batches, but um, you know, spinning them hardness, they they and they played really well. I think there were two breakages that I saw that we talked about earlier, but um, yeah, I I quite uh, quite impressed with the Butterfly ball today. I played with uh, some jeweler um, plastic balls again felt good, you know, like, seriously, we're not going to know the difference. Like, I, I just slipped straight into it, um, just like playing with a celluloid ball. If you hadn't told me, I wouldn't have even known. There you go.
0: Excellent. Well, that's good to hear. It sounds like we were actually starting to make some progress with these plastic balls, and, you know, that'll be better for everyone. As soon as we can stop talking about it, I'll be happy. <laughs>
1: yes, indeed.
0: All right. Well, let's move on to the Ping Skills question of the day, which is, have you ever hit a round-the-net shot? So jump onto our Facebook page or um, log on to PingSkills.com and click on the blog link and leave a comment. We'd love to hear you talk about whether you've hit an around-the-net shot.
1: And if anyone's got some video of themselves hitting one, you might be able to upload it and uh, share it with us.
0: Yes, love to see that. That would be awesome. Now, Alois, um, the Japan Open, as we talked about a little bit yesterday, finished, and so we had some winners of the competition, and I guess we should just talk a little bit more about the, the tournament itself. Yeah, so, um, yeah, didn't get much
1: of a chance to talk about it yesterday, but yeah, Zin um, was so impressive, but the, the, the guy that really impressed me from the tournament that, that came out of the woodwork for me was uh, Yoshimura, the Japanese guy. Maharu Yoshimura. And in the final, he was one all. So he took the first game 11-9 and had a game point in the third to go to 2-1. Had a smash, like, up high and just, I mean, he doesn't know how he missed it. I don't know how he missed it, but he missed it. And, and of course, Zuzin then got out of the game, won the third game 14-12. And then it's really difficult for um, Yoshimura from there, isn't it? I mean, you know, having the opportunity to win that third game, go ahead again, um, you've just got to take those chances against uh, quality players like Zuzin. So, but, I mean, having said that, really impressive. The thing, the the shot that impressed me was he, I mean, we've, we've all seen the uh, reverse uh, backhand or the, the backhand banana flick, but on game point in the first game he shaped up to do the banana flick and then he just went bang and it just did basically a side spin push into uh, into the into the corner and and just really threw zoo's in and he, and he tried it a few times in the game and had really good um, success so you know so instead of just doing the banana flick he got the bat into this position and then instead of going that way he just went that way, and basically, I mean, if you if you just went up there and, and pushed the ball like that, um, I mean, Zuzin would eat it for breakfast. You know, he'd smack it past you at, at 150k an hour. But it was just the disguise. You know, he he was expecting the banana flick, and then just got a side spin push going that way. So, really inventive. I like the guy. I like Yoshimura. His footwork is super. Can he make? The next step, that is always the big question, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's its good to have a breakout tournament like this, but it's the follow-up, you know. To beat these the the best players in the world, to beat Zuzin and Marlong and those guys, you've got to be consistent at that level. Can he do that? That's yet to be seen. I was impressed, but I want to see the next tournament and the one after that. Let's see how he goes.
0: Yeah, well, he's having a really good year, Alois. I'm just checking the um, stats on Spinified. And this year he's 22 and 3. So, won 22 and lost 3. So, um, that's pretty impressive. Um, and against athletes ranked 11 to 50, he's won 5 and lost 0. So, you know, I think um, yeah. good signs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what about top, against top 10s, Jeff? What's his uh, just only played one, so zero and one. Okay, so that was Zhu Zhen. Yeah, yeah. So that was Zhu okay. Zhen. yep So, so um, I
1: mean, let's see. So that. I mean, that's obviously the area. You know, if he's if he's aiming at the big time, that's where he needs to be. But uh, yeah, I mean, good step forward. Um, and you know, during the tournament, he beat Chen Kun four three. Shen Kun's the guy that beat uh, Ma Long in the second yes, round.
0: Long went out.
1: That's, uh, you know, a big surprise. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I didn't see any footage of the match because it wasn't on ITTV. I, I'm I'm assuming that ITTV just assumed that that was a laydown and they didn't even bother putting it on. But um, I watched a little bit of Shen Kun. I went back and had a look at some footage of him playing in the um, Chinese Super League. Looks good, but like he looked like he had a really big weakness on the backhand side. Um and it's hard to see Ma Long, you know, uh, allowing that to be exposed. The the thing that I think in Shang Kun's favour is that, you know, these guys know each other, they play with each other, and I think they were actually sharing a room at the span at the um Spanish at the Jap- Japanese Open. So you know, then it becomes it always makes the match a little bit closer, you know, no matter what the level. So yeah, so but I mean, all credit to Shang Kun, got over the top. It's not easy to beat Ma Long as many, many people have seen.
0: Indeed, yep. Um, yeah, anytime you're going to beat Ma Long, it's a good win, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah, and
1: then out of the young guy, young Chinese guy, so Feng Dong made the semis, lost to in 4-3. Um, Feng Bo uh, lost in the last 16 to uh, Yan An, another Chinese guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, the, the Chinese have got... You know, players just coming through so strong. But, um, yeah, for me, Yoshimura was the man of the uh, of the men's singles anyway.
0: Indeed, certainly was. Um, all right, Alice, it is Technique Tuesday. So um, should we talk a little bit about the side spin forehand top spin?
1: Yeah, and it sort of links with our um, ping skills question of the day, you know, about hitting that ball around the net. That playing with side spin helps you to uh, to hit that ball around the net. It's not a shot that we like like you to use first up. You know, it's a good experimental shot that you can have a go at, have a um, have a try at doing. So the, the basics of the the side spin um, forehand topspin, and it just come around the side of the ball. So if you can if you can brush around the side of the ball, then you're going to start to generate that topspin. Make sure that you're not making the shot too um, too awkward, though. You know, still have um, a good starting position back, still have a good finish position up here um, to to get that side spin. Probably the easiest way is to just drop the wrist so that you're coming around the side of the ball there, rather than straight across, uh, straight over the top of the ball. Um, interesting shot. Lots of fun. Lots of people have a lot of um, lot of fun with it, especially in training. Um, as a genuine um, stroke can be used, but it needs to be used sparingly. You just can't generate the same amount of speed with the side spin. Um, You need the genuine top spin to, um, to get the ball going faster and still landing on the table. So yeah, good shot, good, interesting thing, but you know, just use it in moderation.
0: All right. I like it. So yeah, so learn the basic stroke right first, then experiment with this side spin one. What do you think about using it as a tactic just to drag your opponent out wide um, in, in during a point? Yep, yeah, you,
1: can, you certainly can do that. So, you know, if, um, if you've got the, your opponent away from the table rather than hitting straight top spin, you can do that. Um, or you can just curve the ball. If you put a little bit of side, it can drag them a little bit further out wide. Um, that way or the other way as well, so that that is that is something that you can think about but for me you know like just hitting it straight top spin you can hit it faster and if you can and if you can be accurate you, you can still get the ball out pretty wide and you've got more speed on the ball too
0: okay all right well have a, have a bit of a play around with that side spin for next time you're in training. It's, uh, yeah, good one to experiment with for a bit of fun as well as being able to use it occasionally in a game.
1: And we've got, um, yeah, we've got a lesson on that, Jeff, so uh, we'll put a link for you.
0: All right, we'll do. Put a link in the show notes. So go to pingskills.com, click on the blog link, and you'll see all our past Ask the Coach shows there. And you can, um, yeah, check out the links that are in each show. Um, And while we're talking about the Ask the Coach show's alloys, there's a lot of ways you can listen to this show. Obviously on our blog, as I just mentioned, you can watch it on our YouTube channel, but it's also available as an audio podcast. So lots of people now are listening to it on their way to work or, you know, just when they go out for a run or something. So you can um, go to iTunes and get um, the audio podcast or we've got an RSS feed on our website too. Um, which you can use if you're using Android or something like that. So, yeah, try it out. See which way you like to listen to the show. Oh, let's get um, stuck into the questions, Alois.
1: Jeff, yes. you know,
0: yes. yep. have,
1: have you noticed the first comment on there from Brocky?
0: Yeah, I have noticed it, and that's why I think I'm not going to let, let him – I'm not going to read out his question because I find that pretty yeah. offensive.
1: Jeff, he said, please, Jeff, stop with the
0: facts. (laughs) But he had a smiley face there, so I think that means it was a joke and he really wants me to keep going with the facts.
1: Um, Or it's a smiling assassin.
0: (laughs) Indeed. So I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt here, Brock, and I'm going to read out your question. Um, Hey, Pink Skills, I met a really talented player that had a very tricky serve. And the problem was that he brushed the ball really fast. I couldn't even see which spin it was. If it was top spin or backspin, or side spin, I failed every time he did that serve. So do you have any tips for Brock playing against a really good server?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's about, you know, getting the opportunity to, to watch that serve and to return it as often as you can, um, Watching the contact is crucial. You've really got to watch that ball carefully on the contact. Next thing is to watch the flight of the ball. So after he hits the ball, then you need to watch exactly what's happening with the ball. Now, you may not pick things up straight away, but with experience, it will get better. You you will start to read that spin a little bit better. I mean, the guy's obviously a good server, you know, so try and get down there and, and um, hit against his serves as often as you can. Do that. You'll soon start to get better at returning those serves.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. And what I like to do if you can get this guy to cooperate with you is get him to serve the same serve, say, five times in a row and then see if you can just adjust to the spin. And by him serving the same serve five times in a row, you should start to get used to it. And then once you got used to that, maybe ask him to serve a different one. And then as you get better, you know, you can start mixing them up. So. Yeah, see if you can get him to, you know, help you out, to help you improve your return, Brock. Good luck with that. All right. Now, Alois, just that number fact thing, I just want to say that... um, Yes, Jeff. One of our Ping Skills, uh, the winners of the Japan Open competition, emailed me and said, I love the numbers.
1: Of course he loves the numbers. You just gave him a free three-month
0: membership, Jeff. He didn't say, like, the uh, the fact of the day, gone with the wh- where? Gone with the who?
1: Gone with the wind, Jeff.
0: Gone with the wind. Oh, gone with the wind. Is that a, have you read that? Is it, it is a book, isn't it?
1: Ah, oh, Jeff. <laughs> All
0: right. Let's move on to the question from Jeff, who says, I have developed a style that keeps me quite close to the table. I can often do well by keeping the ball short and waiting for the first opportunity to attack. But I also play well at like three to five feet from the table. How can I transition between the two? Yeah, uh, that's a good one because it, it,
1: it is quite difficult sometimes to be able to change that positioning from being close to the table and then being back uh, when you have to. And he, also, he also talked in his... Um, in his extended question um, on the Ask the Coach page, he talked about, you know, what's a good way to practice that? So um, I find a good way to practice that sort of transitioning is to to practice your um, topspinning first. So maybe you might topspin a couple, so staying nice and close to the table, and then just play a softer ball deliberately and then get your... Um, training partner to start attacking. So if you then play that softer ball and see that they're going to make the attack, then you can move back, give yourself a bit more space um, and try to deal with that ball from further back away from the table. So it's just setting up the situations where you're practising moving from close to far and then also moving back in again when you get the opportunity. So so that's, a, that's probably a simple way of practising the transition. It's also about the recognition and and seeing what your opponent is going to do. So starting to see the cues as to when they're winding up to make that stronger ball. As soon as you see them winding up to make the stronger ball, that's your cue to just give yourself a little bit more time perhaps by stepping away from the table.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one, Alice. Because if Jeff's quite good, you know, close to the table and then good three to five feet away... Would you ever sort of start close and then just drop back just because you want to be back a bit further because you enjoy playing from there?
1: Or is that kind
0: of giving too much time to your opponent? You'd only move back if you sort of play a weaker ball.
1: Yeah, you need to look at it tactically at at how your opponent is playing against you. So if your opponent is really good at at playing attacking balls when you're three to five feet back um, and it's too powerful for you, then you don't want to give up that close to the table position. You want to keep the pressure on them. But perhaps the other person um, isn't that strong and can't hit through you. So once you make that um, transition to three to five feet back, you can control the ball better than they can attack the ball. So so it's just about finding what works against that particular opponent that you're playing against. But it's having the ability to, to make that transition when you want to. So not... Being tied close to the table, and then when someone winds up not being able to adjust and give yourself a little bit more time, so that's what I think you need to practice.
0: Okay, got it. All right, excellent question, Jeff. And hopefully that um, answer from Alloys has helped you out. All right, now Bennett has a question, and Bennett says, uh, "Jeff, Jeff, yeah. sorry, you you, you
1: missed. Um, there's a there's a comment at the top that you missed."
0: Yeah, he says he agrees with you, Alice. I think he's talking about the transitioning between short no, and, no. and long. That's, no. that's what Brock's talking about. No,
1: numbers. Numbers, Jeff, numbers.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, Bennett has said, since the nearest club is an hour and 30 minutes away, I'll be starting a club for my school. I need to know things like what I should get if I'm on a limited budget.
1: Yes, Bennett, firstly, good on you. That is fantastic. I love your initiative to set something up for yourself. You know, a lot of players don't have clubs in the area and you have gone out and done something about it that you can do. Great work. So um, you talked about having a a limited budget. So I suppose the first thing that you have to have is some tables. So look at how much you've got in your budget and just get some tables. It doesn't really matter what they are initially. especially at a school level, just make sure you've got um, some tables there that the players can use. You know, and, and it, all, it always comes down to the dollars, doesn't it? I mean, if you had, you know, $50,000, you can go and buy um, some great new, um, you know, Steger rollaway ta- tables that, um, that are easy to use. Um, he's, as a follow-up, he's sent me some, uh, a link to um, some tables that he's seen it's, it's it's important just to get something that's reasonably sturdy, especially for a school situation, um, and also that's easily portable. So something that's going to be easy to move, because if you've got really heavy tables that kids are often going to have to move or you know teachers are going to have to move um, regularly, they're just going to get damaged. So make sure they're portable. Make sure they're reasonably sturdy as well. Um and that just depends on, you know, the particular table that you're looking at um, and the design. So that's the first thing, tables. Uh, apart from that, though, there isn't a lot. Table tennis balls are probably the, the next big um, expense that you'll have. So, again, don't go out and buy um, expensive table tennis balls, especially in a school situation. Go out and get some training type balls um, where you can get a whole bulk of them get some old celluloid balls now. You know, they, they're going out cheaper because everyone's transitioning to the, to the uh, plastic balls. Go get a whole heap of um, celluloid training balls. And then the other um, expense you may have is just perhaps buying a few rackets um, just for uh, players to uh, play with if they don't have their own racket. So apart from that, though, there's not a lot. You know, if you've got the, the uh, gymnasium space at the school, Just the tables, balls, and perhaps a few rackets, and then you're away. Great initiative, Bennett. I love it.
0: Indeed. Well done, Bennett. Good job. Keep up the good work. And hopefully other people can get inspired and start their own clubs as well. So, um, yeah, well done, Bennett. All right, moving on to the next question from Mark, who says, my favourite serve is the reverse pendulum. I found it works best because I get to hit a forehand on the third ball. I mix it up with short side spin, short back spin and side spin, and long or short side spin with top spin. I want to add a no spin, though. Do you have any tips?
1: Yeah. So, firstly, well done on improving that reverse serve. That's, that's a really good weapon, and it sounds like you're feeling pretty comfortable with it and being able to make a few different um, um, spins with it. Great job. So, with the, with the no spin, then, What you want to do is instead of brushing the ball on contact, at the point of contact, just push forward on the ball a little bit. So you're hitting the ball a little bit flatter rather than brushing the ball. So if you brush the ball, you're going to get spin, whether it's backspin or sidespin or topspin. If you come here and then push forward on the ball to get a flatter contact, you'll get less spin. The other thing is to, to not hit it. Um, if you hit it at the leading edge you're going to get a bit more spin you can also hit it a little bit more on the trailing edge um, to get a little bit less spin so um, experiment with it flatter contact is the key to getting that no spin serve um, but it sounds like you've got a really good feel for the reverse pendulum anyway so I don't think it'll take you very much to to, uh, to learn just think about a little bit flatter contact same start position try and get a similar finish position just the contact. Needs to be flatter. Give it a go.
0: Great, and I think that's going to be really effective, Alex. Especially as you talked about with that same action, because it's not easy to pick that up. And just a little bit of variation is going to cause a lot of problems. Yeah, and especially I mean,
1: if you've got all those variations already, you know, chucking in a no spin one is just the icing on the cake. Well done.
0: Brilliant. So, um, everyone can. Uh, Always work on your serves. Just get out there and practice it at any stage. Even if you're just at home, sometimes you don't even need a table. You can just work on generating lots of spin. So, you know, just get out there and practice it. And if you really want to improve your serve, check out our Serving Secrets course for premium members at Pingskills.com. We go through all the serves, including the reverse pendulum serve. We also do the pendulum, the backhand, the tomahawk. It's a great course, really helps you out. And as a premium member, you'll get access to all the other courses as well, Receiving Secrets, Training Secrets, the 52-week training plan, really a lot of material there to help you improve your game. So go to pingskills.com and check out our premium membership. All right, Alloys, well, that um, wraps up another Ask the Coach show. Thank you, everybody, for watching, and thank you, Alloys, for all your words of wisdom.
1: Thank you, Jeff. And remember Brocky's words of wisdom for tomorrow.
0: Indeed. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Bye.